Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you once again for joining us on the Santa Cruz County School Superintendent's Educational Forum. I, we're here uh, coming from Mr. Velasquez's office, not in his office, but this program is dedicated to, office, to his office so that we can show, show the wonderful things and highlights that we have in Santa Cruz County. Uh, this month, as many of you already know, is for the seventh consecutive year, so it's the seventh annual year, that we have celebrated February as Early Childhood Education Awareness Month. Uh, we're kicking it off this week with the various activities, uh, and today we have some superstars. We have some special guests with us today, and we're going to be talking about developmental disabilities in young children. This month, uh, the, the committee, the Early Childhood Committee, has decided that we're going to focus on helping parents and young children and bring awareness to developmental disabilities in young children. And today we have a superstar panel uh, with, and we're gonna be talking about developmental disabilities uh, with young children from pregnancy, even pre-pregnancy, all the way to three years old. So today we have with us, starting to my left, Cassandra Camacho from Healthy Families Program. She's the Healthy Families Program Supervisor located at the Child Family Resources. We have Dr. Tanya Henry, and she is head of the Department of Pediatrics at Mariposa Community Health Center. We have Yara Castro. She is health and social services manager at Mariposa Health Clinic. And we have Dr. Philip Williams, associate medical director at Mariposa Community Health Clinic. So as you can see, we have a superstar cast. I'm excited about this, and like I said, we are gonna learn a lot this afternoon. So the first question I have, I'm gonna start off with you, Dr. Williams. Uh, if I'm a parent, okay, and I have a young child, uh, specific, obviously specifically from zero to three, what are some things that I need to look for through for the development of that child? I think it's a great question. It's a very loaded question, so we'll kind of summarize. but. I think the first thing to remember is that um, we really encourage for all of our parents, especially those at a young age, to have a really close follow-up with, with their pediatrician. Part of what we do in our visits is to look for exactly that. We not only you know, take care of kids whenever they're sick, but part of our job is to make sure that they're developing appropriately, and if they're not, then um, our job is to know what resources are available and we help the parent to navigate through all, all of the, the, the different options. Um, but um, you know, in general, you know, there, there's a few things that, that parents should look for. Um, you know, one is, is just, um, I always say, how is your son or daughter, um, how are they lining up compared to other people their age? So, how are they comparing to other siblings? How are they comparing to cousins and, and others in their family? And anytime you see or notice any differences, and obviously we, we, we would like to know. You know, the main diagnosis that a lot of parents um, always are worried about is, is autism. Um, you know, not to get into a lot of technical details, but specifically for autism, it basically um, is composed of three, three, different, three different symptoms or three different areas. The first one is, is that kids with autism, they have impaired social interaction. So really they just don't interact normally. Um, some parents say for kids with severe autism, it's, it's almost like that I'm not there, they treat me as furniture, they really just don't have that, that engagement. Um, the second thing is that kids, they have, they have speech delay. So um, they just aren't talking normally, meaning that usually it's delayed, 
Um, you know, we um, kids usually start to say their their first words. You know, we like for them to say um, a couple of words by age one. You know, they roughly know roughly five words by age um, age fifteen months, eight to ten words by eighteen months. So, um, you know, if they're not meeting that, then we want to know why. And then the third thing is for kids with autism is that they have um, repetitive or stereotype movements. So a lot of times they do something over and over and over. So those are part of the questions that we're going to start to ask. And honestly, those symptoms you can really start to see at a very, very young age. Kids, even as early as, you know, two months. At two months, kids, they really should be tracking. They should really be focusing on parents. They should actually have eye contact. Um, so if you don't see that, then we want to we know, know, know why. Um, so... Again, the, the main thing is, is just that's what we're here for. Ask us any, any, any and every question. You know, I should say, too, that autism, um, you know, the, the term that we now use is called pervasive developmental disorder. And really, it's a spectrum. So you have kids that, you know, it could be very, very mild, maybe harder to detect until they get a little bit older. And then you have kids that are, you know, that it's, it's, it's very, very obvious even, even at, at a young age. Um, you know, we do screen specifically for, for autism or, or pervasive developmental disorder at 18 and 24 months. Um, so there's a, Dr. Henry can kind of elaborate more, but there is a, um, a screening test that, that we use. And basically it's ask, it's a, it's a survey, ask a lot of different questions. And it's basically looking at those three different areas and we try to see where the, the, the child will fall. Okay. Dr. Henry, would you like to expand on that? Yeah, no, I think Dr. Williams gave a pretty good overview. I think one of the things that I like to talk to my parents about is not all speech delay is autism. There are a lot more children that have speech delay that are not going to have autism spectrum disorder. And so just because your child has difficulty speaking doesn't mean they have autism. Um, as Dr. Williams said, it's a diagnosis comprised of uh, at least three different areas, you know, restricted interests, repetitive behaviors, um, problems with speech delay, abnormal social interactions, things like that. Um, a lot of things can cause your child to not be able to speak, including hearing loss. So um, in the newborn nursery, if you're born in the state of Arizona, your child will automatically have a hearing test done at birth. However, Children can lose their hearing at any point in time during their lives or even as adults. And so if your child is not speaking as we expect, your pediatrician might order a hearing test. Um, and a lot of parents say, well, my child can hear me fine. You know, when I talk, he turns different things like that. However, there are different levels of abilities to hear. So for instance, maybe you can hear, but it sounds like this, like this, I can't really hear. Or maybe you can hear, but it sounds garbled, muddled. Um, and so your child might be able to hear enough to kind of respond to you, but not hear well enough to make good speech sounds. And so if your pediatrician orders a hearing test, that's, that's the reason why. Um, and as we said, there's a lot of other things that can cause these, these delays. But the biggest thing is that if you notice that your child is not um, behaving as you would expect or as their peers, uh, to let your pediatrician know. One thing we talked about you know, before this meeting was Sometimes it can be scary as a parent to see that your child is not behaving as expected. They're not developing as expected. Um, sometimes you don't really want to hear that something might be going on with your child developmentally. Um, I really want to encourage you that if you do as a parent see that something is wrong, don't hold that fear inside yourself. Just come set up an appointment with your pediatrician. There are lots of things that we can do to help your child to maximize their developmental skills, even at a young age. Um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later today as well. 
Perfect thing. Yeah, I can remember with my with my children, they didn't speak because they're twin daughters, they're twins, and so they weren't speaking maybe a few months, the the exact month that the book says that they should be speaking. And I was like, no, it's fine. And my wife's like, no. And the natural tendency is to say, I mean, you should take a breath, right? But the natural tendency is kind of not ignore it, but just kind of like, no, it'll be fine, you know, and, and believe that. But I mean, obviously, we, my wife wins. And so we got him, we got him testing everything, and and it was fine, right? But I can definitely see that where a parent, and like I said in my experience, where you you don't want to see something wrong with your child, and so going to see somebody just confirms it, and that can be scary, right? One other thing that I mentioned, so there are so many things that children should be doing de developmentally, and it can be hard to keep track of it all. I mean, Dr. Williams and I trained basically for how many years, <laughs> Bill, to be able to recognize developmental delays? Many, many, we'll say it's more than one. No, I'm just kidding. We trained many years, and so there are tools online and at your fingertips to help you kind of keep track of your child's developmental milestones, one of the tools that I love is a free application for your phone. It's called the CDC Milestone Tracker. And it is a free application, free for download. You can enter in your child's information and the app will basically give you those checklists that we use at the visits um, and at home visits to let you know whether or not your child is on track and to let you know if this is something that you need to speak about with your healthcare provider. So you don't have to remember all these things, <laughs> but there's lots of resources. There's also a great website. It's called healthychildren.org. It is put out by the American Academy of Pediatrics. It is available both in Spanish and English, as is the CDC Milestone Tracker application, free. Thank you. And, and Cassandra, with your program, how, do you, how does your program deal with uh, developmental disabilities or with the parents? Yes. Um, I want to highlight that it takes a village to raise a child, and we're here to support you. Since you find out you guys are pregnant, we are here to provide that um, support. And having a newborn or just uh, being pregnant can be very overwhelming with so many stressors going on. And it is very nice and kind to have someone from one of the home visiting programs in the community. It is amazing to hear that some parents don't know about the different home visiting programs. We have Los Padres with the superintendent office, Health Start with um, Mariposa, Early Head Start with um, Head Start, and Healthy Families with Child and Family Resources here locally just available to provide that support to new parents or expecting parents. And we provide child development activities. We provide um, developmental screenings. We go by what it's best practice and we follow the timeframes from the um, American Pediatric Academy. And we screen children um, at least twice a year for the first birth to three years old, and once a year uh, once the baby, the children are three to five years old. So if the parent wants more screenings, we provide those. Our practice is to give a copy of the HS and STHS questionnaire 
Uh, that's uh, the screening tool we used. We explained the parents there are five domains to look up, and many parents like it because they give them like a guideline of what should I be working on, how can I stimulate this area that might be falling in the questionable um, spectrum, and when that happens, even though um, the parent feel like, oh no, everything is fine, just bring um, more activities, we create a plan to be intentional on the child development activities we're taking to the home so we can provide that support to the parents. Because uh, when parents know what is age appropriate and developmentally appropriate for their children, there's more empathy. They know, oh, that's normal. Or that's like very um, normal to, to that um, aspect. Um, and we really want to make sure parents are aware and they take um, informed based decisions. We, you know, in our culture, sometimes we hear uh, from so many people telling us, oh, no. Um, it's okay if the children don't talk until they're in elementary. But research shows that if we provide early intervention as soon as we can, there are more benefits and we can help children to catch up in their education. That's a very good point. Um, this panel's talking about zero to three. Um, what we talk about a lot this month also is the importance of having your child ready for kindergarten. Um, a child that goes into kindergarten and, and it goes through these programs uh, has, a, has a head start when they, when they get into school. and It's a big deal. And, and one thing that I, I'm not going to take any more words away because I'm not, I, I left Yada for the end because she, I know she has a bunch of stuff to say and she's good at batting cleanup. So... Yara, can you please talk a little bit about what you do at your program there, Mariposa? So, like Cassandra was saying, we, we also have a health, health Start. It's a home visiting program, and we also do ages and stages questionnaires and support, uh, educate families, and everything that Cassandra said, we, we do as well. Um, and all the home visiting programs I, I'm aware in Santa Cruz County do um, developmental screenings, and we all kind of follow the same process. If there's an abnormal screening, we'll refer to a pediatrician to rule out any medical um, areas of concern, and then of course we can make referrals to Arizona Early Intervention Program or other programs while doing uh, a goal plan on working on those areas to improve. Um, and making referrals to maybe other local resources like the Family Resource Centers that have different classes um, and groups and, and opportunities for young children and, and parents to, to learn more, get their children back on track. Um, so we all, we all kind of work together. Um, we have different um, qualifying criteria. Our program, Health Start, is from zero to two years old. Healthy Families, they think it's zero to five. Um, Los Padres, zero to five as well. Uh, early Head Start, zero to five. So most of the programs um, are ready to, ha to, to make that transition into the school system, where if the child's about two and a half years old, and if, if they're in Arizona Early Intervention Program, they will help with that transition to any special um, learning or classes that they might need in the, uh, once they get into the school system, um, which um, depending on your income, it could be Head Start or it could be another, another program within the schools or outside the schools. Um, and they'll make that transition for you. If, if they're not in Arizona Early Intervention, we can, any home visiting program and home visitor can help with that transition as well. 
Um, but something that I want to also highlight is that we want to also look into, uh, yes, definitely the red flags when you have a child, when you have a baby, but also what preventative measures you could take. Um, we start from pregnancy, so our Health, health Start program, um, we begin as soon as somebody finds out they're pregnant, um, we could start home visits with them and support and education, prenatal classes and all of that. So we're all really big on having healthy pregnancies and, and that consists of getting regular prenatal care, um, good nutrition, um, taking care of any medical issues that might arise and being in tune with your pregnancy, right? So bonding with your child begins during your pregnancy as well. And that leads to healthier outcomes um, at labor and delivery and postpartum. And, and when you have that newborn, like Cassandra was saying, there's a lot of stress factors that, that involve just with having the baby and not adding a lot of the social factors, right? So, so my big thing is social services um, at the clinic. So there's a lot of social stressors that can add to that, right? So it's a whole nother layer. So the bonding piece with your child and being able to, to, to when you breastfeed, when you hold your child and, and observing your child and creating that bonding and attachment, and that process is when you'll really see those red flags. And that is a huge preventative piece because you'll be able to see uh, uh, like they say with, I know it's a breast cancer thing, but early detection is the best prevention. It's the same thing here. I feel that early detection is the best prevention, right? So if you start noticing at those two months that your baby's not looking at you or certain, that is a time to start those conversations. So if, if you're bonding, um, during that process of bonding and attachment, you'll be able to learn more about your baby, his behavior, and be able to talk to your doctor sooner or your home visitor. Yada, that's a great summary. I just want to mention one quick thing. So one thing that's super important, Yada talked a lot about the postpartum process and bonding with your baby. And for a lot of women, uh, that doesn't go as expected. There are people more than we talk about that have postpartum depression. And uh, for a fair amount of people, that depression symptom can even start while you're pregnant. So don't be afraid, don't be ashamed if you feel like you, you're not bonding with your baby as you expected or you're not as happy about the pregnancy as you expected. Don't be ashamed or afraid to go to your provider and say, hey, you know, I'm not feeling so good myself. Um, because there are resources and this happens and there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> um, it's important because healthy moms are great at having healthy, promoting health for their babies. Some studies show that moms that have depression, depressive symptoms, their babies might have more risk of delays and different things like that, just partly because of you know, that attachment, that bonding is inhibited because mama is sick. And so moms, if you're feeling sick emotionally, um, don't be afraid, don't be ashamed. There's resources, talk to your pediatrician. Um, we screen for postpartum depression at our visits from two months to six months, and even sometimes before that. And so talk to your OBGYN, you know, um, it's okay, just get it out, it's okay, there's help. Also, you know, one thing to add, um, breastfeeding can also be really, really difficult. Um, I remember with my, you know, before I had kids and, you know, before I um, went into medicine, you know, you think breastfeeding is just going to be this magical process that's super easy and it's so wonderful. And then I had my son and I realized this is really, really hard. Um, so there's also a ton of resources available. Part of what Yada does, I think she has uh, her, her department, um, they have breast, breastfeeding support. Um, there's um, educators. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not always as magical as you think, and that's normal. You know, I usually advise my moms that it's going to be really tough, but it does still have a lot, a lot of benefits for baby, um, even, even for you. Um, so, you know, please take advantage of all, all of those resources.
Yeah, go ahead. I keep interrupting you, Chris. It's just because this material is so amazing. But I just I noticed that both you, uh, Cassandra and Yara, mentioned a lot Arizona early intervention program, and a lot of parents might not know what that is. Do you guys want to speak about that? So Arizona Early Intervention Program provides further assessment uh, to families and when they go to the home, uh, they do an assessment to see how the child is doing and how they fall with their milestones. And if they qualify for the program, they're able to provide speech therapy, occupational therapy, um, or, any, or connect families to any uh, further support to help the child um, improve those um, developmental areas that might be falling behind. And it's free. I like free. <laughs> um, I, I was just going to say, going back to the depression, we also not only do our home visiting programs locally screen for ages and stages, we also screen for um, domestic violence, so we know that that is very big. Um, so we all do a sort of relationship assessments. We do. Uh, well, the Edinburgh, we do depression screenings as well. Um, and that helps open up the conversation with a lot of families and, and mostly moms, um, even though dads are also participants in all of these programs, the majority of the times who we're meeting with is, is moms, right? So we're able to really have an open conversation from uh, kind of a peer to peer because most workers, I could tell you in all the programs, most of them are parents and, and have that open conversation about whether it's, it's during the depression screening and those results, um, the relationship assessment tool, the ASQs, and any other questions. Um, and it really builds that rapport and, and the, the, the family's able to engage with the home visitor and the worker to really open up if there are other stress factors that they might be holding back and, and even any other issues that they should talk to their pediatrician or their doctor or anybody else. Um, but they could kind of walk, talk through that process and, make, and the worker can make the referral um, to follow up on whatever the, the resource or whatever the, the extra support or additional support is needed for that family. So I think that that's really huge in terms of what we all do and making sure that those connections are made so that they have that trusting neutral person um, that meets with them regularly and provides education, um, uh, support, information, and engages in a, in a neutral way because we could get information from our family members and, and everybody else and it, it could get kind of distorted in, in all of our minds, right? But when it comes from a neutral person that they have some uh, evidence be behind what they're saying and some trust, that level of trust, um, I think it really makes a huge difference in, in, in kind of peeling some of those stress layers that families have to really be able to get down and really connect with their baby or their child and see where, what, where they need to head. Um. Yes, and just to follow up with Yara, if the family would like uh, support making the referral, we do ask for a release of information. All your information is confidential and it is just to make sure we are connecting you to the service you're looking for and help you find um, the service available. And if there's any barrier, we can um, problem talk uh, with you and see what might be happening. Sometimes it's like insurance. We can you know, discuss um, your situation, what's available, find those resources if there's like any grant, um, what other uh, health plans are available for you. Sometimes it's transportation, sometimes it's like a kind of a language barrier 
to be able to set up um, those um, services available. So please, if um, you are going through some type of situation, don't hesitate to ask for help to get connected with a home visiting program because we are here. We are available and very happy to work with um, families and their children. So thank you. So I think you said it really well, Cassandra, when you said it takes a village to raise a child. Um, what we're talking about is talk to somebody, right? I mean, if you have questions, talk to somebody. I know personally with my wife, the Family Resource Center, the U of A Cooperative Extension has family resource centers, three of them around the county, Rio Rico, Nogales, and Patagonia. And the fact that my wife joined those programs, they have wonderful classes, but the thing that she pulled from it is there are other people, other mothers, unfortunately not as many fathers, right? Sometimes we aren't there as much as we should be. Um, but the, with the, similar, the same questions, the same fears, the same doubts, and she was just able to, I mean, you don't even have to talk. You can just listen and hear what other people are saying. And so very well said, and thank you for that. I have another question. Um, in Santa Cruz County, uh, what type of developmental disabilities are the most common? What types of things do we usually see around here in Santa Cruz County? I'll, I'll start out. So I think, you know, the most common that I, I typically see is, is, is isolated speech delay. So basically kids that just aren't speaking at their, their normal milestone. And like Dr. Henry said, that can be due to a lot of different causes. Um, you know, usually it is, it is isolated. So usually with speech therapy, it, it does get better. Another thing that we see is either um, gross or fine motor delay. So gross motor is basically big movement, so the kid may have a little bit of delay in their walking. Um, fine motor means that um, you know some of their, their smaller movements they may have, they may have issues with. Um, so I think those are the most common. But again, for all of those, there is treatment. You know, there's either speech therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy. Yeah, I would agree. I think far and away the thing I see the most is is speech delay. And so just since we mentioned that, just to review, I know. I don't expect anybody to memorize this, but just to know that by two months, your child should be probably cooing, cooing, like making those cute baby noises that no one else can make. Um, by four months old, they should be kind of cooing back and forth with you, like a conversation, but cooing, making those noises, those kind of ooh-ah, things like that. They should be kind of laughing. By six months is when you're going to hear the ba 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 ga ga mama those kind of noises. They said mom, they said mom. Yes, <laughs> those by, by, by six months, that, that's when you should be hearing it. Um, by nine months, usually they're going to start saying maybe like preferentially mama or papa and really mean it like when they're calling mom or dad. And then by a year is when you should start to hear, okay, they have at least one more word. So maybe one or two words by, by a year. By two years of age, they should be putting two words together to make sentences. So that's big. And I'll give you something, a neat memory trick that I learned this in residency. By two years, so one year, one word. One year, one word. Two years, you should be putting two words together. Okay, want milk. Let's go. Mom, no. <laughs> two words together. By three years of age, your child should be putting three words together. Okay? Three words. And by four years of age, they should be making full sentences. Everybody can understand them. So just remember that one year, one word, two years, two words, three years, three words together, and four years, 
full sentences, okay? And so if your child is not in that age group, even if their brother was slow to speak, even if their dad was slow to speak, even if mom was slow to, slow to speak, it means that they're kind of outside of the range of what we would consider normal milestones, normal development, and it's something that we should, we should, we should talk about. The reason I mention that is a lot of times speech delay does run in families, so it might be true that brother or sister didn't speak until they were five, but how frustrated were they at two or three? How many tantrums did they have? Because people couldn't understand them. So one of the things that I wanna uh, show is that a lot of times when kids have trouble doing something, it makes them frustrated, they avoid it, and it's not because they're a bad kid, it's not because they're lazy, it's not because they're chipelon, it's because they physically are having struggles. And so I think we can help with a lot of that. I mean, we I know that you want your child to be the best they can be, absolutely, and that definition varies. But I would love, and I think you would love it too, for your child to be the happiest they can be. And so if we're able to catch these delays early and support them so that they don't get that frustration and those tantrums, I think you can save yourself a lot of heartache and, and your kid um, a lot of heartache as well. I think another, that's a really good point, Dr. Henry. Another thing to remember is, um, you know, by two years, um, roughly half of their speech should be understandable. And then by three years, roughly 75% of their, spe their speech should be understandable. And by four, really all 100% should be un understandable. Another mnemonic we learned in residency is, you know, it's uh, at four years old, it's four out of four. At three years, it's three out of four. And then at two years, it is two out of four, 50%. And that should be the language that they speak in the house, right? Obviously, we're in a bilingual are wondering, you know, I live in a bilingual household, my child might be delayed because of that. And actually, it's not the case. It's, it's great if your child lives in a bilingual household, maybe they're going to have, you know, like, um, the words that they need, but maybe some proportion is going to be in one language, some proportion in another. And I think we hear a lot of Spanglish with our kids, and, and that's pretty normal, too. But they should still be, you know, um, fairly understandable. Okay, so even if there's two languages spoken in the house, or in the community, they hear one and at home they hear another. Uh, they, we should still go by those those uh, milestones. So let's say at one years old, we don't have that one word. What types of things? I always say we go we go and and we get it checked out. But I mean, are there things at home like reading to your child? Those types of things does does that help? Yeah, I mean, I'll just quickly talk on reading. Um, you know, reading is honestly probably one of the most important things that parents can do. And we really encourage parents to read at a very, very, very young age. I remember my newborn, I mean, I was already reading Harry Potter to him at that age. So we really tried to at a very young age. In Mariposa, we participate in the, the Reach Out and Read program. So, um, you know, we give all of our kids books. Um, you know, there was a recent study, actually it's like five or six years old, but they looked at, um, it was a longitudinal study that looked at the success of kids. And one of the traits that um, they found in really most kids that were successful, most adults who were successful, is a love of reading and um, especially reading at, at an early age. Um, if you talk, you know, if you hear um, lectures by Warren Buffett or Bill Gates and others, they all credit with reading as their main, you know, driver of, of success. And I would like just to add, even before the baby is born, they're able to hear us. It's like uh, being under the water. By the second trimester, your, your baby can hear you. You can start reading. Start creating those routines are really going to help you out to stick 
to them because once you have a baby <laughs> your ba your your world <laughs> comes upside down so having those routines in place before the baby uh, arrives it's gonna really make a difference if you have like older children in the home they can help you uh, babies start recognizing the voices and once they're born you know those voices are very soothing to them it's gonna help you know to reduce the crying um, to get the baby um, engaged in those parent-child interactions and you know just do the parenting a little bit more smoothly <laughs> um, Babies don't come with a manual, uh, but the support, it's there. So, you know, there is evidence-based and with the programs going um, to visit your uh, pediatrician, there's always an ongoing education that you're gonna get and the providers are gonna get to be able to provide the best support they can. Um, some of the conversations we have um, going into the homes and that we hear a lot is, um, oh yes, I'm, you know, um, I let my baby watch TV so they can um, start uh, learning new words and just um, around that, it is very important to have those face-to-face -face interaction uh, with your baby because they are looking at your uh, movements and the TV, it's kind of far and, you know, it's not the same being in person and being able to see how you're placing your tongue, how you're moving your mouth, that's really gonna help uh, to um, increase the language and the communication and how um, faster the baby is gonna be able to articulate the words. And yes, being able to communicate, it's gonna help once they hit those um, toddler years that tantrums and big emotions happen. So they're gonna have another way to show what they're feeling, and it's just a win-win situation. <laughs> and I was just gonna add, reading is I was phenomenal, and but it's also important, like that playing. So you went to the parent-child interaction. Um, any opportunity that you have to to communicate with your child, right? Music. So playing music, singing with your with your kid, whether he's a baby as he gets into the toddler years. Um, if you take him grocery shopping and they're in front of the uh, of the shopping cart, just pointing out, look at the yellow banana. Do you want a red apple? Making that eye contact while you're doing that, pointing things out, asking questions. I mean, maybe the one-year-old's not going to respond, but respond for him or her. Um, so, so having that conversation with your child at an early age will just get into, you'll get into a rhythm and a pattern of communicating at, with your child as they grow up, which is critical even when they get to the teenage years. But it, it, it starts that dynamic, that parent-child interaction, that bonding, and of course, getting them on track with their speech and everything else um, in learning. But any opportunity that you have, just treat your baby, your toddler as another person because that's what they are getting at their level looking at them talking singing dancing having a conversation at any age it is possible no I, I completely agree and I just want to reinforce that um, literally the more words that your child hears the more that they're gonna have so as Yada said make everything into a conversation it's probably gonna seem silly at first but it's okay. Like, hey, we're going to go to the store. At the store, I'm going to get some milk. How about some eggs? You know, like, <laughs> it's going to sound weird and sound silly, but, um, but literally the more words that your child hears, the more that they're going to have. One thing I want to say is uh, regarding the reading. So not all of us are good at reading. 
some of us are unable to read and that's okay. So just having the book and and sitting with the book and making up stories about the pictures, like that's fine too. You know, if reading is not your thing, any kind of communication talking with your child is gonna be it's gonna be great. And I just wanted to add, going into the toddler years, you reminded me of, it. you start p trying to potty train, and of course the famous terrible twos, but obviously expanding that communication and helping them identify what they're feeling, how they're feeling. So using emotion words too when you're communicating with your babies and your toddlers really helps decrease maybe those tantrums and makes it could make potty training easier. And it goes quick, right? I mean, it's intense. Those first five years are intense, but they go quick, right? One of the worst... The most bittersweet sweet things I've heard from my daughters is, no, I got it, Dad. And just like, okay. Right? I don't got to do it, but come on. Right? <laughs> right. So um, I know you guys are busy people. Um, so there's just two things left. One, if there's anything else you'd like to say, you'd like to mention that we haven't mentioned so far. And then also the second thing is, the, for the parents out there, how do they get in contact with you? And we'll start with you, Dr. Williams. Yeah, no. So, you know, I, I couldn't do one of these sessions without mentioning vaccinations. And especially COVID vaccinations are available in this age group. So in that um, six months and above, there's two options, either Pfizer or Moderna. And um, for they're basically very, very similar. Um, they're what we call mRNA vaccines. They've been really well proven to work. We've given literally billions of doses of, of, of COVID vaccines worldwide. But um, for six months for Pfizer, it is a three-dose um, series for that for those, um, what we call the primary series. So they'll get the initial vaccine, they'll get the second one four weeks later, and then they'll come in in um, eight weeks and they'll get what's called the bivalent vaccine. Bivalent basically just means that um, it has information to protect, protect against the old strain of COVID and also the newer strain, specifically the, the Omicron strain. And then for Moderna, it also is three doses. So you'll get that initial, the primary series consists of actually two. So you'll get one dose. Again, four weeks later, you'll get the second one. And then they call the um, third one is actually a booster. So it's also with the bivalent, but it's going to be a bivalent booster. So all in all, it's essentially the same. You're going to get three different vaccines starting at age uh, six months. Um, Mariposa, we offer vaccines. Um, we um, also, the county also is still offering, offering uh, vaccines. So really, you know, as soon as you can, come in and get your kids vaccinated. And those vaccines are there at the clinic at both Nogales and Rio Rico or just Nogales? Correct. So currently we um, are currently doing them mainly in, in, in our Nogales clinic. Um, we have um, certain days that we do that we do vaccines. So basically call our main office and um, call our main number, say that you want to get vaccinated, and then we'll tell you all of the, the different options. Dr. Williams, I've had some parents ask me about the cost. Mm -hmm. So currently it is free. So COVID vaccines are still free. Your magic we word, like Dr. Free. Henry. We like free. <laughs> <laughs> COVID vaccines are still free. Um, so I just wanted to say we are all, Santa Cruz County is a small county, a small community, and we're very lucky that we're one of the few um, areas that, that we all work very well together in the different resources and programs. And I know Cassandra was talking about her program. I was talking about um, our programs. and and But the other programs that we mentioned, they're not even programs that just work with families with young children, but across the board, any resource, any any agency, um, we're all interconnected and we work very well with each other. 
So what I want to say is that for any anybody who needs any type of support or connection, just to to talk to someone, reach out to any agency in Santa Cruz County, to any organization, and they will put you in contact with who you need to be in contact with. And we all work very well together that we know each other's resources fairly well, um, that we're able to, to guide and connect families um, the best way possible. So it's just a matter of everybody at home just connecting, calling, whether it's the clinic, Child and Family Resources, the county, um, other agencies, whether they're behavioral health agencies, um, whether they're even asking a police officer, they'll guide you the right place um, because we all work very well together. So just ask someone for help or ask someone the question and if they don't have the response, they'll connect you to any one of us that does. Yeah, so speaking of that, I want to know, what would you say to families as far as those, so someone is watching this broadcast and they say, well, I'm, I'm pregnant or I'm about to have a child. How do I go about getting started with a family visitation, home visitation program? With uh, healthy families, we enroll families prenatally until the baby is uh, three months old. Sometimes if there are like other risk factors, for example, um, DCS involvement or uh, any um, developmental disability, we are able to enroll a little bit uh, passing our time uh, with authorization of the state. Um, the program, we are outreaching in the community, participating in uh, different community events. Uh, it's also offered at, the, uh, at our local uh, hospital, uh, Holy Cross. Uh, we have our uh, family assessment worker going into the rooms. Uh, if the nurse um, show you the, the consent and you signed, uh, we're able to go in and explain what we do. Uh, we are also able, um, we are located at 1827 North Mastic Way, just passing that street uh, going to Walmart. We get a lot of walk-ins, and when the families um, don't qualify for our program for whatever reason, uh, we are able to uh, send referrals to other home visiting programs. Uh, we really don't want any parent looking for services um, to not receive services. Uh, we get a lot of calls asking for um, child support. We offer that information to the parents uh, or whoever who needs that information. Um, but yeah, that's usually how we, we get the referrals. I know um, Yara, they also have um, their, their program at Mariposa and do you guys mostly get uh, the referrals from the OBYNs? Yeah. So at Mariposa, we have um, kind of a systemic way of receiving referrals from our prenatal department, uh, eligibility department. Um, as well, we get direct referrals from providers, so um, the, our OB providers as well as some pediatrician providers. And we will get referrals that way. Again, walk-ins, um, other uh, self-referrals or referrals from other agencies. Um, we have four case managers, um, and each case manager carries a caseload between of, of average 38 families. So they they have pretty they have very good retention. So we want to make sure that we're providing good quality service. So if we really go really high on our cases, we kind of do a disservice to the family. So we want to be respectful of that. So as we have vacancies within um, the case manager's caseloads, we will reach out and we prioritize um, obviously anybody with any high needs. Um, and But to participate in the program, you have to have at least one medical and one social risk after doing a, a screening tool. 
Yes, we, we do follow the screening tool, and also I want to mention the services are free <laughs> and voluntary, which means um, if you feel that program is not for you, you are more than welcome um, to discharge from the program. That's totally fine. Um, yeah, just, you know, we have our uh, Talent Family Resources uh, website online. We have a way to get referrals that way. Uh, I know with the superintendent office. So the Los, so the Los Padres program um, at, the, at our office is, is located at the 1904 courthouse in the annex right behind. Uh, also, you can call our office at 520-375-7940. I also want to mention the, I also want to mention the Family Resource Centers that are located around, that's a wonderful resource also. Um, so Yada, if they want information, they can just go straight to the clinic to Yes, to at, at any one of our sites, um, I mean, if somebody just wants to stop by, front desk should be able to guide them to, to the program. Um, otherwise, they could call our community health services department. So the clinic has several departments and the programs, um, the community health programs are from our community health services department, which is where our Health Start Maternal Child Health Program is at. And they could call us at, Three seven five six zero five zero, and also just ask for home visiting or for any question. They could just pose it, and the person on the phone will guide them. Wonderful. And your phone number? <laughs> it's uh, 529-87-6515. That's my direct cell phone. Um, you guys can call, and I, I will answer and connect you to whatever service you're looking for. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that anybody likes to mention before we sign off? No, I think as always, I, I hope that after watching this video, you uh, as families and as parents will know that we all just want to be your village. I mean, we want <laughs> the best for you and for your family and your child. That's why we do what we do. That's why we get up for work every morning. Um, and that we just we just want to be the support that you guys need to have healthy lives for yourselves and your children. So we're just we're here. We're in your corner. I just want to thank uh, Superintendent Velasquez and also you, Mr. Young, for organizing these type of sessions. Um, really, both of you guys, you have a passion for kids, so thank you guys for, for, your, for your leadership. Thank you. And I'll make sure Mr. Velasquez gets that, gets that message. And I want to thank you guys uh, for getting up in the morning and dedicating yourselves to our young children. Uh, we know the struggles that we have in this county as far as child care and different things like that, and so you guys, you guys make the difference in our community so thank you so much and thank you so much for being here uh, parents no excuses here they are right and we mentioned other resources also and the biggest thing i think we can pull one of the biggest things that we can pull from today is you know if you have questions talk to somebody we're here for you okay so thank you once again for tuning in to the santa cruz county school superintendent's office educational forum uh, sponsored by alfredo velasquez our santa cruz county school superintendent Thank you once again, and we'll see you guys next week with another educational forum focused on early childhood awareness. Thank you.